In the following live session recording, Melita Thomas, VBS and Kids Specialist with Lifeway Christian Resources in Nashville, Tennessee, leads the session, VBS, It's Worth It. So, is Vacation Bible School a program with a long legacy that needs to be put out to the proverbial pasture? Is it really worth all the time, energy, and money? In this session, listeners will hear the truth about VBS and be exposed to the myths that sometimes keep churches from reaching their community with the gospel through VBS. The listener will be encouraged by the latest research, which clearly shows VBS is not just a program to save, but a vibrant and effective tool to reach our communities for Christ. Let's join Melita now. I was really worried no one would show up because this is, you know, last one. You can cut out some of the traffic and just head on early. So thank you for still being here. I appreciate it. Um, I'm going to talk to you a little bit today about something very near and dear to my heart, which is BBS. And it's, it's a big part of who I am and what I do. It's part of my career. I get to help lead the team at, at Lifeway in developing vacation Bible School resources. And uh, about two years ago, I guess, we decided to undertake this massive research project. It was a nationwide uh, research project. We surveyed people from all over the country and from all kinds of backgrounds. So they were not just Christians, not just church-going people, but all over the place and uh, talked to them in, in three different phases of research. One was to kind of help us understand where people are and, and how they remember Vacation Bible School. Or is that something that was a part of their life or not? Do they have an awareness of it or not? Is it something that uh, when you say BBS, people go, or, you know, or is that something that's so outdated that we should just kind of throw it out and pursue something new? Uh, then we talked to, to them about um, their, their willingness to allow their kids to participate. We talked to them about uh, their awareness of churches in their community that do it and what it is. We then talked to, in, a, in another phase, um, practitioners, so people who are doing BBS, and some who have abandoned it, and some who do it full on, and asking for you know, feedback and different kinds of things that we could kind of quantify and, and come back with some, some heavy hitting. And we honestly thought, well, we have no idea what we're going to discover. And it could be that there is something else out there that could replace BBS. Because maybe it just doesn't work. Maybe in my little window here in the Bible Belt, this is all I see and know, and so you know, this is what we do. But maybe out there somewhere, it doesn't work. But we were absolutely, really shocked to find that the things that we thought we knew, we actually do know. And, and uh, so we were able to, to craft this, this great little book called It's Worth It. So I'll give you the, the ending already. It's already worth it. It's worth it. That's, that's the, the takeaway here from this session. But it's full of research. It's full of personal stories from uh, the people that we were able to interview and that help us. Really, it's, it's, it's going to be perfect for you. I'm going to send you home with one because it helps to inspire the VBS director to help understand why the sweat the toil, the insanity, the late nights, the recruitment pain, all the stuff that we feel that's usually related to BBS helps put it in perspective and see what God is doing and what BBS has the potential to do for our church and for our community. And so that's kind of where we're going 
but I want to go back a little bit and start at the very beginning. And for me, my VBS experience um, began when I was four months old. Like, seriously, no joke, I've got the certificate to prove it. So, <laughs> and if you look really closely, you can see here's my, here's my first year at four months, and here's a year later, and you can see the little teeth marks that my mother has drawn a picture to. This was in my baby book. So I'm chewing on my VBS attendance certificate. So that's how deeply ingrained that is for me in my life. Uh, although I don't really have a whole lot of memories of VBS as a child. I mean, I remember going. I know it was something we went to. I was a staff kid, so I was at church all the time. All the time. Even when the doors weren't open, I was still there. So um, it's interesting to me that I can't really remember it, although I was I'm old enough that we didn't really have themes. So maybe there's nothing, you know, a theme song or anything that sticks out in my memory. But I do remember being a teenager and serving in VBS. And I can remember some things about that experience. And I can remember very clearly my dad, who was the minister of music, was leading worship rally, leading one of the songs back in the Jeff Slaughter days. And he was um, standing up in front and leading through motions, and all the kids were following him. And then all of a sudden, they started doing this really weird thing. You know, whatever the motion was, all the, the sudden, they started doing these kind of weird kind of hip movements and, and things with their elbows. And I'm like, this is not part of the choreography. What's happening here? And um, I realized after a minute of watching my dad, because the kids were doing exactly what he is doing, and what is he doing? And oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed because I'm a teenager, so embarrassed by him. And I realized he had forgotten to wear a belt that day. And so he's trying, without being obvious, he's trying to keep his pants up while doing all the choreography. And all the kids are doing this weird, funky thing too. And he just needed to hike up his pants a little. So that's my. That's my stellar memory of VBS, is don't let your pants fall down, Dad. But those kinds of, of things, there's something kind of fun about VBS, something that just kind of sears in your memory. You might not remember what the Bible story was. You might not remember who your friends were, but there's something that kind of sits back here with you, that even as you're, as you're an adult, you think back on it and go, huh, yeah, that was a good time even if I don't quite remember anything. Uh, how about you guys? Part of VBS, VBS part of your, your own story? Definitely part of um, my story, at least from the time I was a teenager. I don't remember, we, Dad was in the Army, so we traveled about a good bit. But you probably hit quite a few VBSs. <laughs> well, they didn't really have them in a, in a, a lot of places like mm -hmm. overseas. Oh, yeah, sure. And, but uh, that was where I first accepted Christ, was in um, vacation Bible school when I was 12. We got back from, from um, Germany, and um, I remember walking a couple miles one way to get there, and it was a two-week, not a one-week, mm -hmm. but it was a two-week, and we made these, uh, with, uh, I made a great big rooster poster, and I'd stay after for a couple hours to, um, putting on the beans mm -hmm. and the corn, corn. And, mm -hmm. and all the things in the right spots. I still have it on my wall today. Ah, I love it. And love it. Uh, of course I've had to clean it. It's kind of co yeah. uh, collected <laughs> dust over the years. But um, so, but yeah, so, and I um, work at VBS at the church, you know, but it, that's, um, that's an important part for me. And we have, you know, kids 
in the summertime going from one VBS to the other VBS mm -hmm. to the other VBS mm -hmm. now, which we didn't have the opportunity right. to do right. uh, oh, when I was cool. growing up. Very much a part of your 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 own story, then, ladies. You did you go to school? Uh, go to VBS as a kid? Still a positive experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Accepted Christ in VBS. Nice. nice. It is. It's uh, for a lot of people. It becomes part of their their testimony, part of their faith journey. And so I've got a little game here I thought we might play, and since there's just two of us, you know, three of us, it won't make us, you know, anybody come up to the front or anything. So we'll just play it together as a group. So here is your answer, your 60%, and I'm gonna show you three, and you guys help me choose which one correctly answers this statistic. Is it 60% of, is the percentage of American adults who attended a Gaither concert growing up? Or 60% of American adults who choose boiled okra over fried? Why would anybody choose boiled okra? That's way too high. <laughs> All right. Or is it American adults who attended VBS growing up? Yeah. What do you think? VBS. Absolutely. Which is pretty astronomical. Six out of ten of all, again, this is not of church or Christian adults, but of all American adults have attended a vacation Bible school at some point in their lives, that to me is, is mind-blowing. Because I don't know that there's anything that 60% of us have all done, except maybe we, I mean, we shower. So, we eat. We eat. That's, you know, much beyond that, there's really nothing. So this is a, an amazingly high number to me. To think about that. So it's not just a part of your story and your story and your story and my story, but six out of ten of the people that we meet is part of their story too. That's huge. Absolutely huge. So how about, uh, how about a couple of other statistics? Out of these numbers, nine out of ten people who attended a VBS have a positive experience of there. They, they have some positive memories about it. It's something that they enjoyed. And 8 out of 10 of, of people who attended said it wasn't just something that I have warm fuzzies about, but it was actually a childhood highlight. So something that was on par with going to Disney World, going to the beach, uh, having a birthday party. VBS is a highlight of my childhood. That's pretty cool. That's a lot of good feelings here associated with something that we kind of consider routine a lot of times. That's pretty big. Um, also, I'll tell you a little bit uh, on the flip side of this, um, of people who never attended, because these are all numbers of people who actually went, but people who never attended it, 61% of those people have a positive view of it. They know what it is, they know what it's about, and they still think it's a pretty good thing. Yeah, it's something that's fun, it's safe, kids have a good time, they probably learn some Bible stories. Yep, sounds good to me. That it has the same level here, uh, at least in terms of positive feelings about it or, or a positive perception. So, for people who would say VBS uh, doesn't work, or people don't know what it is, or people who say maybe we need to call it something else, you know, this has a really high level of awareness. And your community knows what it is, you don't have to explain what it is. It usually takes about three years if you were going to do something like VBS, but you didn't call it VBS. It would take about three years for your community to know what it is, to 
consider it to be a, a, a beneficial to their children and to trust you enough to send their kids. You know, to do it three years in a row before you got kind of some buy-in from your community. But this is showing us VBS Nationwide already has that buy-in. It is a brand name. This is buying Heinz and not Catsup. You know, people are going to go with the brand. So VBS is the is the name we lead with. This is the brand because people go, yeah, I know what it is. I'm okay with it. Do it. I'll send my kids. So that's kind of cool. I, I had one uh, parent come to me after a, a particular VBS when I was teaching, you know, um, an older group of mm -hmm. kids, and. Uh, she said, you'll never know how much it really meant to me because her son was well on his way into, you know, bad crowds mm -hmm. and stuff. And, and he drastically turned his, um, his life around. And that really just kind of stuck with me, you know. I think yes, it's really, you know, in other words, I may not see the results, mm -hmm. but um, if he can further... Uh, show somebody else God, mm -hmm. then it was all worth it. That's cool. That's cool. I love that. I got a little ahead of myself here when I said that the 90%. I forgot I was going to gonna have this one up here too. So we already know this answer. 95, 90% excuse me, of those who attended the Gaither concert growing up have positive memories about it. 90% of Americans who still have and use a flip phone, is that the 90% we're talking about? No. But 90% of those who attended VBS growing up have a positive memory about it. Sorry, I got a little ahead of myself. Row three, 69%. Ready for this one? 69% is parents who would encourage their child to join the circus at age 12. For some, that's earlier, I think. 69% is parents who admit to secretly short-sheeting their child's bed and blaming it on a sibling. Or is it parents who would encourage their kids to participate in VBS at a church they don't attend if their child was invited by, invited by a friend? What do you think? The last one, right? I love this. This is probably the most important um, statistic to me that came out of all of our research is that seven out of ten parents, and again, this is not Christian parents, church parents, Baptist parents, this is all American parents. So we've got agnostics, atheists, Muslim, Buddhist, other, now check the box. This is all parents said, you know, if somebody asked my kid to come to VBS with them, not only would I just maybe think about it, but I would actively encourage them to attend. That's significant to me. There's a trust level there associated with this. Even among parents who don't attend church, there's a trust level there. Uh, but I think what's the most important part of this is this last statement, if invited by a friend. Uh, that reminds me that a lot of the way that we promote and we invite has changed over the years to what maybe easier but is also kind of lazier. You know, we'll put it out on Facebook. We'll put a banner ad on the church website. We will, you know, do those those kinds of things and, and that's it's cheap and it's easy. But the most effective way is to revolutionize the way that we get our church members to do the invitations. It's kids inviting kids, friends inviting kids, uh, neighborhood mama saying, you know what, I'm taking my kids. At the rest of y'all in the cul-de-sac, come with me. 
you know, that's something that we can't often get our church members to do for 52 weeks a year. They may not be willing to do that every Sunday morning, but they're willing to do it five days in a row for BBS. So challenging as we enlist teachers saying, here's one of the expectations. Not only do I want you to come prepared and I want you to come to, to training and I want you to do these things, but I also want you to invite somebody. And that's an expectation I have of you because we're really serious about reaching our community. And sometimes it doesn't work to just open the doors and say, y'all come, we're here. We've got to go and we've got to invite. And so I think that helps us to, to is a good reminder to get serious about how we do our inviting, how we do our enlisting. Ready for the next one? We're down to 78% here. 78% is churches that require members to brush, floss, and rinse before the Lord's Supper. That would only be if we had a common cup, right? Churches that use VBS decorations to decorate for the Valentine's Day banquet. 78% of churches do that, right? Or is it churches that use VBS as their largest outreach to unchurched people in a given year? Survey says... Absolutely. It's the largest outreach. Now, this is what it looks like graphically. 78% of churches say this is our one biggest single event of the entire year that we use to reach out to our community. Um, that's pretty staggering, but that's pretty much what we see across the whole of the Southern Baptist Convention is this number and then higher are using this as their single largest outreach event of the, of the year. So if VBS were to go away, or we were to change the focus of what we do, why we do VBS, how many different things would you have to add to the church calendar in order to make up this kind of number? If in one week, with a buy-in from your whole church, we can do this big push and reach all these people, or we're going to spread it out and pockets of groups are going to have to do pieces of it. To me, this is a great number to help keep in the back of my mind so that when I'm talking to the pastor or I'm talking to the youth minister or I'm trying to, talking to the deacon body and I've got to get buy-in for the whole church, I remind them, look, we're part of this number. This is our big event. This is how we're planning to reach kids. This is our strategy. So that's why we need everybody. This can't just be a kids ministry event and us put this on without support from the rest of the church. This is a huge deal. Uh, we see um, statistically in the Southern Baptist Convention that VBS by itself uh, accounts for 25% of all baptisms in a year, which is huge. Again, if, we are, if one quarter of the people that we're reaching, one quarter of the, let's just say, conversions are uh, taking place during VBS, that becomes hugely important. So again, it's something that we all have to buy in together. And then I ran out of room, but here's the last one. 22%. 22% is parents who complain their church's VBS is the same as all the other churches in the area. 22%. Kids participating in VBS that do not attend church anywhere. Hmm. Or 22% is kids who bring their pet parakeet with them to VBS. Now this one's tricky, I changed the formula. This one has two correct and one incorrect, so which one is the incorrect? They, don't bring parakeet. Parakeet. they do not bring their pet parakeet, thank the Lord. I do not want birds flying around BBS. So this one is interesting. Uh, this 
we're going to play this statistic both ways. 22% is not a whole lot, right? It's less than a quarter. So parents who complain that the church that their VDS is the same one as somebody else is relatively a small amount. Uh, but 22% of kids, which is almost a quarter, is a big amount when we start thinking about kids who are participating in our church's VDS don't go to church anywhere. Nearly a quarter of everybody that's coming. So here's a little, here's a little slide here showing us uh, that we're going to talk about some myths a little bit later on. So here's a big myth. I'll give you a little sneak peek into. The only ones who come are our own kids, so we shouldn't do BBS anymore. It's not important for us to do BBS. Well, it's not true. There's almost a quarter of the kids that we reach are not going anywhere. So it becomes a, a very important job for us to undertake. So uh, what we're seeing here from a lot of places is that theme doesn't matter. If only, if only about 22% are saying, ugh, everybody's doing this. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, what's interesting is if you ask children's ministers about theme, the number goes up astronomically. You know, many, 70, 80% of people who are the decision makers say, ooh, I don't want to do a theme that somebody else is doing. Or I'm going to choose a VBS based on that theme. When the reality is as parents and kids don't really care. Because VBS is VBS, regardless of what the theme is. So we have to, the challenge for us, is to begin to make a dis, uh, different set of criteria when we choose a VBS. So all of a sudden, we can't choose based on theme, and I like this theme, and I don't like this theme, so I'm going to go with this one. We have to begin to look at the content. We have to say, is this trustworthy? Does it match the doctrine of my church? Does it match our theology? Is it age-appropriate? Is it whatever your philosophy is? You have to begin to find a curriculum that matches that. And so you've got to choose a good curriculum. And I'll tell you, I, I'm partial to LifeWay VBS, but there are other good ones out there. But let me tell you that not all VBSs are created equal. And so you need to be very careful in choosing and make sure you're not choosing just based on a theme. Because a theme is just a package. But the content is what you need to be focused on. Uh, and there are some that are better than others. There are a lot, a lot of times, too, when if you hear something more than once, mm -hmm. you can plug it into more than one brain cell and you're more likely to remember it. Absolutely. So in that case, repetition isn't a bad thing. Yeah, it never bothers me when I have a kid come in who's already been, you know, earlier in the year, they've already done this one, even if it was last week. Just yeah. go, well, that's great. You've already done this. Help your friend then. Or you've already heard this story. Great. Make sure I don't leave out anything. Now listen really carefully and make sure. Be my helper. And that, you know, didn't bother them at all. Um, so, well, I hope that you feel encouraged here that what you do through VBS really does matter. It's an important work. And um, why is it so important now? I mean, it's always been. But why now more than ever? Well, it's because we are in crisis. And it's a, a two-fold crisis. And the first is we're in a, in a crisis of evangelism right now in our church. We've got some stats here that talk about this. 80% uh, of those attending church one or more times a month believe that they have a personal responsibility to share their faith. But guess what? We're not doing it. We know the Bible says we're to, to, to share our story. We know the Bible says we're to tell people about Jesus. We're to make disciples. And yet, we're woefully, I guess, 
ill-equipped or unwilling or whatever it is, 48% of us are just not inviting people. We've not invited anybody in the last, you know, what is it, six months? Yeah, in the past six months, how many times have I invited an unchurched person to attend church with me? In the past six months, how many times have I talked to someone about what it means to become a Christian? And you see all our numbers are, are way down. You know, zero times? 48% of us aren't inviting a single person in the last six months? 61% of us have not talked about our faith to anyone in the last six months? That's staggering. That's crippling for a church. And so here we are, we're facing a, in a church culture where this is the norm. How much more important is VBS then? There's a time when we're focused on reaching our community, reaching our kids and our students and our adults. It becomes critically important. Next up, here's the other part of our twofold crisis. This is a crisis of loneliness. And today our kids are so connected we're so dependent on our technology and on our devices and, and kids who have never known a world without a smartphone right here in front of their faces don't realize the rest of the world that's happening around them. We've got families who text each other from one room to the other and don't get me wrong, that's very convenient, especially when you're like, um, could somebody bring me some more toilet paper or something like that, like it's very helpful. But there are times when that interrupts family dinners. I love that Chick-fil-A has the has the, the thing if you'll if you'll commit to putting your dropping your phones in the in the bucket, then everybody gets ice cream at the end of the meal. That's great. It's encouraging that kind of interaction because what we've discovered is we are at an epidemic level in our country with um, loneliness and anxiety. And this is the loneliest generation, this Gen Z, or sometimes called the iGen, as in iPhone, iWatch, iPad, the i generation. Uh, this is, uh, these kids are, 47% of them are reporting feeling left out, feeling alone, feeling isolated, and it's simply because we're so disconnected from one another because we are so connected to this device. And so we have this crisis here where kids need to have fun, engaging, real-life, relational experiences with people, and what does that sound like? So here's a, here's a crisis, and yet we have an absolutely timeless uh, solution. And it's not much different, the crisis we're in now, from the crisis that was happening when VBS first started. And I have a little timeline here that uh, I thought maybe we could work on together as a group. It's the exact same one here. I've got a series of 10 dates and 10 facts. And so if you guys want to kind of get up and move around a little bit, Maybe we can work together to get these right. I'll put facts over here. I'll put time over here. And let's see how quickly we can get all this lined up. And we, if you want, we can just do two kind of right down the middle aisle, and then nobody but me has to trip over them. So the years are easy. We know what order they go in, right? I'll do that part. Okay. <laughs> you got it, Nancy. <laughs> So that's part one. Let's get all these dates in order. Let's see what we got here. Oh, there's an one. Oh, here's an earlier one. Ooh, and earlier. Goodness. You have to really know your history here. To go all the way back. All right, excellent. So we've got a few. 
We've got a, starting in 1898. What else would you think we got? Most Protestant denominations were invested in PBS work. Hmm. Anybody got a guess? By the time that most Protestant Baptist convention printed its first PBS textbook. Hmm. What you got there? Oh, you got an, looks like an early mm -hmm. one coming up. Virginia Halls opened the first VBS in New York City. Beer Pop? Hmm. Okay, so the first one, the first VBS, and if this is a VBS timeline, where do you think that might go? It's Halls. Ha ha! Oh, sorry, this one. The first one. Oh, VBS. yes. Oh, I didn't even see it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Gotcha. All right. This was the first VBS, 1898. This was first. In a beer parlor. Oh, yes, sorry. Wow. Oh. 100 participants were reported at the second. So they basically okay. So it starts in 1899. <laughs> okay, good. We're two for two so far. Good job. 700 plus churches were reported participating in VBS with over 100,000. All right, this one's after this one. Okay. <laughs> Another first, so I imagine that's kind of the three, top. three million should go probably in the 2018. Okay. Should this go in 1918? It does. Well done. The first three. 35,000 go in 1924. I would put that one ahead of that. Okay. And then 35,000. Yes, in India. Five languages. Mm -hmm. Over 100,000 enrolled. That's churches. Okay. Um, that's professions. I would, I would, I would think that would go here in 2015. Do what? This one? Yeah. This one? These up? How many do we have wrong? Everybody right, feeling good? See where we're right. I just. Oh, I don't know. I wonder. I don't know about the, the 1947, 200,000 kids in India. Okay. Swapping with these. I would just swap that. There you go. I wonder if that shouldn't go down. I think that should go down. Okay. How far? Because this is talking about overall, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. You want to check it? All right. We'll see how we're, how we're doing. First one is correct. Virginia Haas opened the first VBS in a beer parlor. So she opened it in a bar in New York City in 19, 1898. The next year, she had over 100 kids show up. That is correct. 1918, the Northern Baptist Convention began to print VBS textbooks, so we have the very first curriculum printed. She had grown it here and was just writing her own stuff. Then we have an official publication beginning. By 1924, it had expanded outside of just Baptists, but we have most Protestants now have adopted VBS, had become invested in the work. We're four for four. That's excellent. By 1934... You said, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. What are you thinking? By 1934, we have 
Oh, 700 churches. You got it. We have participated. 700 churches are uh, reported in participating in BBS. We had 100,000 children enrolled. Then we began to expand a little more. It's not just 100,000, but in a few short years, our attendance has grown to over 1 million. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we get to 1977, and we're growing not just people, but we're growing churches. So the number of schools has expanded rapidly. Excellent girls. We get 35,150 VBSs reported. And then in 2002, we began to start looking at the number of professions of faith that have okay. been accounted. So we have how many? 109,181 professions of faith reported during a VBS. This is our record high in hmm. the, the numbers of reports who uh, churches who've been using Lifeway VBS who report back to us. And so from here on, I can only tell you about Lifeway's numbers. Uh, this year, by comparison, we had about 56,000 and then some change who, who, um, who made a profession of faith. So this was our record high year of 109,000 wow. in 2002. And then by 2015, we had a record high attendance of nearly 3.4 million people enrolled. And then just this last year, VBS has grown and expanded, and Lifeway VBS began to reach 200,000 kids in five different languages in wow. India. So from what started with one lady and a handful of kids in New York City, all the way to reaching kids literally around the world, VBS has been doing an incredible work. That was actually really, really great, guys. You did very well. And kind of saw along the way, ooh, wait, we need to shake <laughs> Nice work, ladies. I'm very impressed. You can have a seat. Uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about this lady, Virginia Hawes, because she's kind of cool. She was uh, married to a doctor. She's from the South. They moved to New York City. And she began to look around and see that once school let out, there were all these kids all over the place who didn't have anything to do. There's no school, and a lot of them were having to work, but a lot of them were just kind of roaming around the streets, kind of like little street urchins, we might call them, and uh, getting into trouble and getting into things or running, getting run over in the street. And so she said, we ought to be able to do something for these kids to keep them safe, to get them off the street. And she said, you know what? Uh, the Bible is no longer being taught in our public school system, which is a tragedy. And the Bible is not being taught by parents in the homes like it used to be, and that's a travesty. And does that sound like 1898, or does that sound like 2019? Sounds like today. Yes. So she was looking around and saying, good grief, what are we going to do? We need to do something about this. And so she said, I'm going to start a school where the only textbook is the Bible. The goal is to get the kids off the street and put them in a safe place, and I'm going to teach them about who Jesus is. And so she began the first BBS. Where could she meet? She couldn't meet during the church, uh, or uh, during the week at the church. And so she just went to where the kids were. And she asked this beer parlor, this bar, if she could have it during the daytime because all the patrons came at night. And they said, sure. So she began there with a, with a, a handful of kids and just herself. And then by the next year, uh, she had over 100 kids coming. The year after that, her pastor said, a godly woman like you has no business being in a, in a bar, 
you need to get out of there and get those kids out of there. And so she followed the leadership of her pastor. She moved it to a church building, and guess what? The kids didn't come. And so she went back to her pastor and said, we got to go where they are. We can't expect them to clean themselves up and get themselves right and come and then be welcome in our church. We've got to go reach them where they are. And so he let her move it back. And so that uh, began to grow, and then it began to catch on, and you see it spread like wildfire. And here we are in 2019 with amazing, amazing things happening, and people saying things like this. When I see a kid respond to Christ and wanting to be baptized, that's my ultimate goal. My ultimate goal for every kid in BBS. And then after that, I hope to see that kids grow in their faith and their love for Jesus and His Word, and to develop a heart that wants to share Him with others. I want them to serve Christ, His church, and our community. And that's why one leader says, this is why I do BPS, because I want kids to be saved. I want them to be baptized. I want them to begin growing in their faith. I want them to be part of a church. I want them to change the world, and I'm going to do it through BPS. And it happens, and we get story after story about that, year after year after year, and I truly believe that God wants to use BBS as a way to reach children, students, adults with the gospel. And it's unlike anything else we do. It's unique. It's not just like Sunday school. It's a, it's a new, fresh experience. It's a concentrated time where we can all come together. And the benefits of this concentrated time are absolutely astronomical. And so we have an opportunity here uh, when all generations are coming together in our church. It's not just a kids' ministry event, but it's grandparents, it's moms, it's kids, it's students. We're all working together. We're all part of this. And it's a beautiful picture of this kind of multi-generational army that our church is marching into our community and saying, here we, here we come with the banner of Christ. It's absolutely amazing. And when we see everybody serving in a way that God has uniquely gifted them and allowing them to do something that they're perfectly suited for, whether that's serving snacks, or playing games in rec, whether you're a gifted Bible study leader and you're going to be telling Bible stories to kids, whether it means you want to sing and dance and do motions, there's something for you to do. It's incredibly powerful, it's incredibly effective, and it's incredibly biblical. Because here we have a great picture of the gospel and what that looks like. show you very quickly some of our, our, our recent... Uh, this is... Uh, the late, this is actually two years ago, because I just told you we had 56,000 um, salvation decisions this past year. So 65,301 is the one that we quoted in the book. Uh, 21,000 churches last summer did a VBS. There were almost 2.5 million people who were enrolled in VBS. We gave over $7 million to missions. I mean, just incredible, incredible things that God is doing through VBS. Uh, and yet, we've got some, some kind of some sad trends here. Back when we had the record high numbers and the record high schools and the record high salvations, we were uh, at about 81% uh, of, of churches who were doing BBS. Uh, this is coming from a, a George Barna stat. So 81% of U.S. churches in 1997 were offering a BBS of some sort. And by 2012, that number had dropped quite a bit. And I don't have a number for 2019, but I'm willing to bet because of the stats we've seen being reported to LifeWay that this drop has continued. And so sadly, some churches are deciding it's not worth it. Maybe 
there are other things we can do. Maybe we're not going to do anything. But before we ever let any of our churches go this way, uh, before we just decide we're going to toss the baby out with the bathwater, I thought maybe we should uh, look at some of the reasons that I think churches are saying this is why we're going with something else. So I've got six different myths here. And we're about to bust them. And quite literally, we're going to bust them. <laughs> it will scare me to death to do it, but we're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to pop some of these myths. So myth number one. Uh, it's kind of funny to me. I love this one. Uh, because myth number one says people are just using us for free child care. Have you heard that before? We shouldn't do VBS because we're not reaching anybody. People are just coming here for free babysitting. So what? It's kind of what I want to say. Exactly. If that's the reason, if I mean, if that's motivated because mom just needs a break, good grief, don't we all? And if mom wants to bring her kids to VBS, we're going to say, please, come. And you know what? We don't just do this during this one week a year. We do this every Sunday morning. And we would love to give you a break every Sunday morning. We would love for you to have some time to be not with your kids, but be with other adults. And you don't have to talk about kids' stuff. You can talk about adult stuff. We would love to introduce you to some other couples who are just like you, at the same age and the same life stage, who would love to include you in their Christmas parties and their potlucks and their out the nights out on the town. And you know, we do parents' night out too. We do that every you know one one Friday a month, and you and your husband can go on a date, and we'll take care of your kids. You know what? We do this kind of thing on Wednesday nights where we have time for your kids to come to a safe place. It's clean. All of our, our volunteers have been background checked. They're safe. You can trust us with your children, and you can come and have a couple hours where you get to be with other adults. That's a great thing, and if that's truly a motivation for a family, let's embrace it because we can work with that, right? I can sell you on that. And I think sometimes we, we stop looking for those reasons to help connect a family. We just go, ugh, they're just using us and we're so done with that and let's push them out. And that's the wrong attitude, right? We need to be enfolding these families. But the reality is, it's only about 12% that are doing this. It's not very many people at all who are saying, I'm just, I'm not really interested in what you're talking about. I'm just really interested in getting a break for three hours. So let's um, let's call it what it is, and let's and the kids go home when they tell their parents about what that, what happened in VBS. Absolutely, absolutely, they become little missionaries, don't they? I love it. Um, you know, if, if people truly are just coming just to hear, you know what? I don't care. The good the the good news is they heard the good news. They heard about Jesus. They learned about a God who loves them. They learned about how God planned to redeem mankind. They learn about that in age-appropriate ways, and so to me, there's nothing better. So I say, that man is busted. Agreed? You might want to do it. Oh, we're going to bust all of them here. <laughs> I even taped them down, too, so that wouldn't do that. Okay. we got some other myths. Oh, they're all going to go now. Look at this. 
y'all. Okay. This didn't do that with Bill when he was busting them. All right, let's check this out. Myth number two. We don't have enough workers. No one volunteers. Have you ever heard that? If you haven't, guess what? You're going to hear it a lot. People are going to say this as an, as an excuse. We can't do this. We can't put this on. Do you know how many people it takes to put on a VBS? Well, it takes a lot, doesn't it? Um, this kind of illustrates a pain point that is true. It really is difficult sometimes to find enough leaders to fill every vacancy. That's why, one, we've got to be able to articulate why VBS is important because it's something I need to be able to stand up front and say. Or I need my pastor to stand in the pulpit and say, this is happening and we're all getting on board because this is important. And so something like this that, um, that both of you are going to take home today will help you and help your pastor. After you've read it, share it with him. Let him understand really what's happening here so that this be he becomes your best champion. Because that's when you see this thing start sh shifting. It's when the pastor gets behind you and becomes your advocate. Then all of a sudden, when we're all serving and you're expected to serve too, everybody can do this. You just need to find the place that you're going to plug in. That's when this becomes a, a full church kind of thing. Uh, the reality is here, though, um, that a lot of times the issue is a little more personal. We just want to use this as a cop-out and say, well, people, I can't get people to volunteer. Well, how are you enlisting them? Are you just putting a notice in the bulletin that says we need people to sign up? That's not very effective because people may not even read it. Or they're going to read it and they're, not going to, they're going to go, oh, that's for someone else. Are you asking people one-on-one? -on -one? Are you saying, hey, you know what? Um, God laid you on my heart, and I've got something I want to talk to you about, but would you like to meet me at Starbucks? Can we just have a conversation? Because one-on-one, then, you're able to say, this is what I want you to do, and this is why I want you to do it, because this role is so important in this big plan here. And you know what? You are the only one who can do this. Let me tell you what I see in you that makes you the perfect person to do this job. All of a sudden then, I'm feeling good. Somebody sees something in me, sure. And you've given me the expectation you have for me, and then I go, I can meet that. Uh, people don't want to sign up if they don't know what they're signing up for. People don't want to be part of something that's not really important, that they don't view as important. People don't want to be part of a hot mess. So if you're coming at it and being very disorganized, very chaotic, you don't have a plan, you say, I'm going to need as many people as I can, but I can't tell you what I need you for now. I just need you to trust me, and when you show up, I'm going to put you somewhere. They don't want to do that either. So be as detailed as possible. Be as specific as possible. Be as personal as possible. So if you can say, this is what I see in you that makes you the perfect fit for this. And this is what I would ask you to do. This is when I would ask you to be there and how long I would ask you to stay. These are the responsibilities I have for you. And you know what? I'm not going to just leave you. I'm not going to let you say yes and then drop you. I'm going to help you. You know, we're going to have a training session. I'm going to pair you with Miss So-and-so who's been doing this for 15 years and shows she's really an expert and she can help you learn how to do it. And then next year, you could take it on and be the, the lead yourself. Those kinds of strategies of mentoring, of, of 
enlisting one-on-one, -on -one, of communicating expectations, those kinds of things, and all of a sudden, these issues go away. And all of a sudden, we have more than enough. We also sometimes have unrealistic expectations in uh, the kinds of the number of volunteers we need. We know it takes a lot. Um, I would personally recommend that a, a good rule of thumb is anytime you have children in the classroom, you have at least two adults as a minimum. So you know already what you have to have. I've got to enlist two adults, not an adult and a 16-year-old, 14-year-old, but two adults for every group of kids I have. So I know what my minimum is. Could I do that? Can I enlist them for that group? Could I maybe enlist two best friends? Because then they're going to be more likely to teach rather than splitting them up and putting them here. Let me let them teach together. They, they, they go to the pool together with their kids every afternoon. Though I bet they'd like teaching together too. Thinking strategically and thinking out through what's the minimum that I need. Um, and then staffing those key leaders first and enlisting their help in enlisting their team because they're going to know more people than I know. If I can ask them to help me. So, Joy, would you enlist two more people to be on your team? Well, you're going to call people that you're close to and that they're friends with you and that you know you could get them to say yes if you just twist their arm just a little. They wouldn't say yes to me, but they'll say yes to Joy. Those are some ways that you can help to bust this myth to make sure that we're going to have enough workers. Don't you worry. We can do this, and I'm going to hold it this time and bust it. Boom. Right. You're also it. empowering your this. leaders then, too. Absolutely, you I are. Mean, yeah. There's a lot to be said for empowerment. It is. It's true. It spreads. Mm -hmm. it's, it's that ownership thing. In a positive thing. way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, if I can have ownership of it, then I'm much more likely to feel invested, and I'm much more likely to come back year after year after year. People want to experience um, success. They want to succeed. They want you to put them in a position where they can succeed. And then when they do, they're like, yeah, I'm coming back. That's a good thing. Myth number three. Every church in town is doing that BBS. No one's going to want to come to ours. We've already kind of touched on this just a little bit. We want to be different. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to uh, plan ministries that uniquely fit the context of our church and of our community. But, um, you know, guess what? Kids love repetition. Just like, just like you said, Nancy. They're going to want to come back and hear this. And when they do, it's okay. And we can embrace that. They may have the answer. They may know how the story ends. They may have done this activity once, but you know what? They never did it with you. So it's going to be different anyway because there's a new set of teachers. There's a new set of kids in the room. There's a different dynamic. It's a different space. It's a chance for me to, to do it again and again. So what? I learned those songs last week. Well, guess what? I can really learn them now. Or I can be a helper. Maybe I'll even get to go on stage by Wednesday or Thursday and could help the, the big kids leave. There's lots of opportunities to turn what some people want to perceive as a negative into a positive. You say, you know what, yeah, kids love repetition. It's actually to their benefit. They're never going to get tired of this. And there is a lot of value in kids hearing the same stories from the Bible, singing the same songs, 
having those same truths hammered into them over and over and over and over again. It's a great benefit of five days consecutively of VBS because you get to do that over five days. It's even greater when they get to do it one week at your church and another week with another church and another week at another church because we're all on the same team. So it's, it's, a, it's a great, great thing. And the truth is the majority of parents and kids, it doesn't bother them at all. They don't care. It doesn't matter. It's just fun. And I'm going to have a fun time regardless of, of where I am and how many times I've heard it. So that one busted. Or not. <laughs> There it goes. It's not as loud when there's more people in the room, you know. Four. BBS is too expensive. We gotta buy too much stuff. Anybody agree? It's expensive, but it's not too, you know. It's what's relative to you. I mean, how, how much does it would you give to have a soul saved? That's a good way to look at it. I like that. And you know what? I've seen churches who do VBS on a $250 budget, and I've seen churches who do it on a $25,000 budget. I mean, it's just insane the way some people can do a VBS. Uh, to me, I always think, you know, there are times when I think, ooh, looks like your priorities are skewed just a little bit. You know, if you're blowing things out and, and it's insane, you know, I've seen churches who, oh, the year we, when we had, that we were in Hawaii, I saw working waterfalls and smoking volcanoes, and I've seen people zipline things from the balcony <coughs> to the baptistry and, you know, doing all kinds of crazy, wonderful, incredible things. They look like Disney World in their sanctuary, just kind of exploded everywhere. But my fear is always that there are going to be kids who leave that BBS and who go home to talk about it and they say, oh my gosh, this was amazing. They had this working volcano and there was smoke pouring out of it and then lava started to, to come up the side and they can tell you all about all these amazing things that they experienced and they say, well, what did you learn? And they go, uh-huh. You know, what a tragedy for a kid to come to your VBS and to be able to tell you about everything they saw and did and they completely missed the point that there's a God who loves them so much he sent his son to die for them. And if they've missed that, then it doesn't matter. We just wasted all of our money, no matter how much it was. And so to me, this, this, is, this one's a, another myth. It's not a truth, it's a half-truth. There's something there that says, yes, there's a pain point where we feel like it takes a lot. And it's not just curriculum. Not just that it's expensive to buy the materials, but then you gotta buy everything else to go with it. I've gotta do all decorations, I've gotta do craft supplies, I've gotta feed them. Maybe I'm doing it at night and I have to do a whole meal. No, it gets expensive. But there are ways to cut back, and there are ways to save, and there are ways to, you can do things like sharing, especially if you're doing a fall, to, sh to get resources from another church in your community who's done it. says, here, we got it all. You can have it all, and we're going to wait and do it in October. Or I'm going to do it the next year. And so I like to start to share. Come together. Exactly. That's we're the doing it this week. Y'all do it this week. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing the same stuff, because we do. We get all of what God has mm -hmm. blessed us since we've done it in October. That all the churches give us everything mm -hmm. we've offered. We've millions of before. times to pay mm -hmm. them 
them, you know, just a portion of what they spent, and they won't take it. Yep, just, just we want to be able to bless you with it. And that's so wonderful. But Southern Baptists, we do it really, really well because we have associations, you know, as part of our, our makeup. And so there are churches in your area that were all on the same team and all using the same stuff, and we ought to all collaborate and work together. And you know what? I would love to have all the stuff, but my budget won't allow it, but this church it will. So what if I said, you know, could we maybe help or could we send over some people to help paint it and then we can borrow it? Even if we can't contribute money, there's sweat equity there. And it's great to begin to work together, even cross-denominationally. There's so many churches in the area and I would encourage you to begin to make friends with the other people in children's ministry at other churches and begin to... to to call each other up, drop an email, see what's going on, what are you doing, what have you tried, and how does this work, and tell me about your VBS, and do you think we might could go in together? That's a great way, again, to be the body of Christ, not just to our community, but to our faith community as well. So then all of a sudden, this becomes a no-brainer. This is a two, two things. Our church mm-hmm. usually tries to have it the first or second week after school's out, and we look for other churches that can come in and and I leave all my stuff up. Most people leave all their stuff up and and other churches just come in and say, okay, well, I want this and I want this and we'll take this and I'll, but then the the, um, kids, I mean, more Mm hands-on type things rather than expensive volcanoes or whatever. They would rather take the mud and and make the volcano and put Mm -hmm. the baking soda right. and vinegar yeah. in to make it erupt and that's not expensive right yeah um, but the kids would be uh, would remember more if you do a hands-on absolutely and that helps to counteract some of that uh, so we talked about with the the device addiction and the feelings of isolation the more hands-on and the more relational we can make what we do the better that is and that's that's a huge draw because kids aren't ex- experiencing that anywhere. It's not in their home life anymore. It's not in their school life. It's not in their play life. They're not out riding their bikes with their friends. It's not coming home and video gaming. On their devices. Yeah. Yeah. So everything around them has shifted and sometimes the simple or the old school is completely novel to them. And it's usually the old school that's not as expensive. So it helps too. Yeah. I had another thought. Oh, no. It's left me again had to do with churches and sharing. Oh, I have seen churches who will partner with a, a another church in town, even um, like saying, this, this church is located in a different socioeconomic group than my church. And the reality, sad as it is, is the people in this community are likely not going to come to my church. And so... It doesn't, you know, that they may come to my VBS, but I know that my church is not going to reach them long term. So what might be a better use then is my church, if my church is able to do this and their church is not, you know what, maybe my church helps to sponsor this one. And they, we can send the curriculum, we can send decorations, we can send manpower to supplement, to help a church that is positioned well to reach this particular community. And that becomes a, gate, a great gift to that church. And so as uh, uh, sometimes I think some of these myths or these excuses 
are kind of born out of a bit of boredom. We've done things the same old way, or we're just kind of doing this, and we're seeing the same kind of results. And what if we injected something different? What if we brought a little spice? What if we took the focus off of ourselves and what we're doing and who we're reaching and looked at how could we take the wealth of our knowledge and help a sister church? And all of a sudden it becomes a brand new experience. It's the same as taking it on a mission trip, right? It's, you do it in your church, but then you go with a different group of kids and it just kind of almost blows your mind. It becomes this beautiful, new, fresh thing, even though I just did it a few weeks ago. Same thing there in helping to replicate that and helping another church in your community. And so that becomes, again, important for those, re those connections and relationships to happen. And that, those fresh things keep it fresh for us. I'm not busting anymore. Busted. That one's blown up. We'll move on to myth five. Myth five. The only kids who come are our kids. We kind of talked about that a little bit. Uh, and the reality is, is that true? No. No, not at all. We know 20% of the, 22%, excuse me, on average, uh, the number of kids, total number of kids in your VBS are going to be from no church whatsoever. I don't know why it works out that way, but that's the way it works out, about 22%. 29% roughly are going to be attending church somewhere else, or they may tell you they attend church, and that may mean they go at Christmas. But I still attend that church. And so some of that number may actually fit into the bottom one. But um, uh, only about 49% of, of the kids who are in your VBS are actually your kids. 51% are coming from somewhere else. And that it holds true pretty much across the board. If I've got 12 kids in my kindergarten Sunday school class on Sunday morning, I may have, you know, nine on average, but I'm going to have at least 24 in VBS because it just happens that way. They come from all over the place. They come out of the woodwork, and all, it doesn't matter your church size. Whatever you have, you're going to double for VBS, what you normally have on Sunday morning. It's just the way that that seems to work. And so this one is just absolutely 100% blatantly false. Absolutely. If anybody tells you this, say, you're lying. <laughs> because this is completely untrue. But what if it was true? Just for the sake of argument. What if it was? What if the only people who came were our own kids? Is it still worth it? <clears throat> Is it still? Do my kids not need to hear the gospel? Well, of course they do. Do I not want my kids to hear how much Jesus loves them? Of course I do. Do I not want to pour into them and disciple them beyond the point of conversion and into their, their launching them on their path to godly manhood, womanhood? Of course I do. So still is worth it, even if it was just my kids. It still would be worth pouring into them and investing in them. Uh, because the repetition of hearing the gospel, the repetition that's required for discipleship, those things are important. Uh, it's even important if, you know, all my kids are well, all my kids are already saved. We don't need to do VPS. Still is important. Because the gospel is true no matter how many times I hear it. I still need to hear it every Sunday morning. Unfortunately, my pastor preaches it. So I get to hear that because you know what? There are times when Satan comes in and he's kind of tapping on your heart and, and whispering to you and convincing you that 
it's not true what you thought you know, or maybe maybe you should doubt this, or maybe there's this little bit of, you know, he's just, he knows how to get you. So I need to be reminded that it's not how I feel about it, but it's what God said about it and what he did about it that's true. So I need that. Kids need to hear that so that those early conversions that happened in childhood, by the time they're students, they don't begin to doubt their salvation and think, did I really know what I was doing? If the only time they ever heard it was at that point, then they're going to doubt it as teenagers. They're going to doubt it again as young adults. They're probably going to doubt it again around 35. And they're probably going to continue to doubt their whole life because no one continued to speak that to them, to help them know that I know that I know that I know that what God did is real and what he did for me is real. They need to hear it over and over again so that they can be then sharers of the gospel. So that they know how to communicate this truth to their friends and to their teachers and to the people in their lives that they're going to come in contact with. And the way they hear that is the repetition. When you're talking about the five points, or you're talking about the ABCs of becoming a Christian and how you respond to the gospel, those things are valuable to hear over and over and over again so that they can articulate it to a friend as well. Um, what I find interesting here is that a, a typical VBS is what? Five days a week, three hours a day, roughly. So 15 hours, let's say, on average. 15 hours of the gospel being shared. Now, when I was a kid, we were at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I mean, this was three, four hours a week that church activities are happening. Uh, actually, it would have been more than that. Five hours, six hours a week. Uh, now, statistics show us and church practice shows us that the average typical church-going family is going to be in church once or twice a month. And there are still average, you know, well-attended members. And so the time it would take me as a Sunday school teacher to build relational capital with a child and with a family who comes once or twice a month is the equivalent, let's see, in one week of VBS, it would take me seven months to build the same amount of time with a child, with a family. So this is like your mom enrolling you, if you're a ballet dancer, enrolling you in a summer intensive. Or if you're a basketball player, going to basketball camp, where you're playing like six, eight hours a day for six weeks in the summer, and all of a sudden your skills go from here to here just because you've been in this concentrated time. VBS is that intensive for us. 15 hours crammed into five consecutive days where we have a chance to share the gospel, to live out the gospel, to model it, to show kids what it's like, to speak it to them, for them to read it, for them to hear about it, for them to sing it, for them to play games that everything points back to the same thing. That's incredibly focused and effective time. And spread out, it's going to take me more than half a year. So that becomes another point in BBS's favor. And this is a huge, huge, huge thing. And again, last point, we will bust. We may actually get out early and beat the rush. Myth number six. All of our kids are already Christians, so we don't need to do it because BBS is about evangelism. It's not about discipleship. Well, that's a half-truth, right? BBS is about evangelism. But evangelism and discipleship are not mutually exclusive, are they? They go together, like Rimalimalimakadigidididididum. 
No grease sands. No, okay. <laughs> they go together. Kids who are already Christians uh, need to be able to affirm their faith. They need to, to hear it over and over again so that affirmation is built into their lives. Their, their foundation of their faith is strengthened. It's built upon. They're better equipped <coughs> to share it with others. It's just what happens with repetition over and over again. And you know what? Bible study is a key component to discipleship, right? And Bible study is a key component to VBS. And here in this intensive time when we're focused in on studying the Bible, and I would also advocate here, a little side note, as you're choosing a curriculum for VBS, make sure that you're choosing one that allows for Bible study, not just Bible stories. Because a lot of them will say, oh, we, we do really well with interactive Bible stories. And, and I want to say, so what? Everybody can do an interactive Bible story. But how are you helping the kids connect that Bible story to their life? So they, you know, I don't want a kid to hear the story and go, okay, so what? So that happened 2,000 years ago. How does that impact my life now? And our kids are getting more and more savvy and asking those kinds of questions. And so we need to have a <coughs> curriculum that helps us to put the pieces together for them not just fill them full with a few stories and send them home with some rain cookies and some Kool-Aid. We want to teach them what to do with the Bible because God's Word is useful for, for inspiration, for rebuking, for shaping our hearts and our minds and for changing them as well. And so we want to pour into kids that way. Uh, and that is discipleship, one-on-one. Not just evangelism. So let's pour into them and let's say, you know what? If, um, if teaching, sharing the gospel, and helping kids is not discipleship, I don't know what is. And that is EBS. It's the, it's the evangelism, it's the discipleship all put together. And you know, this right here, this is what says it's worth it. To me, this is why we do what we do. This is why we choose BBS. So is VBS worth it? Thank you. I think you guys already had the answer before you came in here. As we think about what's coming up in the summer, what's coming up in the fall, or what's coming up both, what does this look like to you as you are the one who is begging people to, to sign up? Is it worth it? As you are trying to figure out how I can make this recipe multiplied for 150 kids and I'm not good at math and my brain hurts and what is it worth it? Absolutely. As we are cutting out 600 little pieces of craft foam and counting out two sets of eyes for 300 children, is it worth it? Really? So I find often when we're tired, when we're stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed, that's when Satan comes in and whispers and says, you can probably be doing better things with your time. It's just going to be your church kids who come anyway. Or it's just going to be people who want free babysitting. It's not really worth it. And I want us to be able to, to stand firm and shut that down and say, no, it absolutely is. Because we see, to me, it would be worth it if it was just one who came to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and the trajectory of their entire life is changed forever. That's worth it. Even if that doesn't happen, it's still worth it. 
But what is amazing to me is that God is a God of abundance, and even though we just hope for one, He gives. What was it? 60, 65,301 last year. And that's a God-sized task. And so we get to be part of that. And our ones and our threes and our fives that we see in our churches are multiplied across the world into literally millions over the last, well, since 1898. And so that to me is, is absolutely amazing. And I'm just so glad to get to meet you guys and to realize I've got partners here. We are a sisterhood. We're partnered in the same mission, on the same quest, headed in the same direction, and God's God's going to bring us home. And so I just am so, so glad to get to be on that journey with you. So I hope there that you can answer. Absolutely. BBS is 100% always, always worth it. So that little gift. You said you already had one. Thank you. So enjoy it. This is written by the VBS team. It's that it's the research, and again, it just is to me. It's just encouraging. I just found it affirming as to what we do and why we do it, and really helpful to me to be able to articulate to my pastor and to others to help them get on the same page. Uh, and it's helpful when we go to determine budgeting and. Who gets what week on the calendar? Does VBS and student camp overlap and then they end up undercutting us and stealing all of our workers? Or do we get the space? It's those kinds of things that it's helpful to be able to articulate. This is why this is really important. So anyway, that's all I've got. You guys get out a little early. Unless you have questions. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here.